All right, red light. Where's he going with this? Like, I don't know. like beginning at Lord of the Flies? <laughs> I think he picked it primarily because there isn't a guitar riff in it at all. That's part of it. Is this it's a bass guitar? Just drums <clears throat> and some no, like a that might be an upright bass. I don't know what it is. Yeah, you do. No, I swear to God, I found I I found it. Um, it is called. Let me do, let me start there. It is called Requiem Pour Un Con. And my French is really bad, by the way. Yeah. Why are we going France? I mean, what French? Just, I just dig it. I was watching a movie, <laughs> and, you and the subtitles it. were on, and the music started playing, and it totally synced up with the scene. I'm like, oh, that's pretty dope. So I was like, Google it. I'm like, I'm going to roll with it. Sounds like it could fit in Pulp Fiction, maybe. That's what I'm saying. It was it was kind of, uh, it was all about vibe. What do you think? Oh, it's got a good vibe. Yeah, I'm, I'm digging it. Jared, you should play this in your backyard. Last day of the pool season. Just blare it. Your neighbors be down. Yeah. Beating a drum. They be they naked. Come, <laughs> they come running. Yeah. Yeah. Soccer I Dad. Do this. Soccer Dad Pod, we're back. Uh, we are down here at, <clears throat> excuse me, Maggie O'Brien's. They graciously have opened their doors, allowing us to sit down here while the boys are around the corner doing their thing. And we get to do our thing, have a couple beers, cocktail. Yeah, it's pretty slick here. Uh, it's amazing. I saw you guys uh, shifted it up. No uh, all flats today. You, you heard the short roundies. <laughs> oh, you should have heard Zach. Uh, he's like, what else do you got besides wings? And I'm like, mm. he goes, she, she, she said that got these potato or not potato pretzel bites. He's like, ooh, that sounds good. I'm like, well, we got to do wings. And he's like, they're hard to eat while we're doing wait, this. Wait, wait, wait. He got excited over pretzel bites they are good listen they're not as good as soccer parks i'm gonna be honest soccer parks pretzel bites are the best pretzel bites in the city it's part funnel cake but i can eat bread, i can though. eat it's one not... of those and not have my fingers covered in oily lemony peppery stuff and snapping bones and you can't hear it on the on the show yeah but i, mean, I just needed something I, I we're gonna get wings yeah it's, but to, it's gonna happen it's just to express outward enthusiasm over pretzel bites i think jared's do you get excited when the free water and bread shows up at the table at a restaurant I, it depends on the bread that's true you know now do you prefer butter or olive oil and parmesan oh yeah if it's an italian restaurant it's the italian loaf with the little sesame seeds on top i'm going i'm in with the olive i like oil. the jazzed up butter you know, with the, like, like just not honey stop, butter, uh, just a little bit of different stuff in the butter that makes it all. What makes butter jazzed up? I don't know. Whatever they put in it, you know what I'm talking about. I know what you're talking about. <laughs> I'm just curious. What you like, the sweeter or the savory? Ah, it don't matter. Let's, like let's garlic or this is this honey is or shit. Cinnamon. Oh no no no! People, I mean, <laughs> what gra- people gravitate towards our show because they're like these guys talk about real things. Yeah, name somebody thing. that doesn't have a debate over butter and bread at the dinner yeah, table. It's a, Common, you know, thing. our friend Josh Allen, um, uh, who knows a thing or two about a little bread. Bit about bread, yeah. Um, he had mentioned to me, I think even off air, that bread is kind of a table, and it's not in our family, but bread is kind of a thing of the past. It's there's a lot of places yeah. you go that you just don't get bread anymore. You have to ask for it. Yeah, I don't like that. Not yeah, either. I don't dig that. Unless Bring you go out. to uh, you go to Cooper's Hawk Winery. 
and then they bring out the it's like a pretzel bread with a big uh, cup of butter and chunk it off. Oh, that's good. I got it. Uh, you, listeners, just a quick thank you. Um, you keep doing what you're doing, and apparently some of you are sending it to friends. Uh, the, the numbers have been great. We're so appreciative. Um, you know, we would just ask, every now and then, drop a review. Those, those are cool, too. Those are fun. Those are fun. Really don't care. One star to five star. We take them all. We've got thick skin, uh, but we would appreciate this sport on that side. I mean, it can't be worse than Jared's Uber score. He's got like a 2.75. Do you really? That's wrong. Uber rating. That dude, no, that is wrong. 2.9. I, I have a lot of fun in Ubers, and I often can't remember them. <laughs> so you can't remember your Uber score. But I think my score is good. Actually, I know my score is good. <laughs> Well, let's thank our uh, supporters, too, real quick. Chris and Bill, Pinnacle Loans, you guys continue to step up, support the show. If you're in the, if you're in the market uh, or think you're in the market or you might be in the market in the coming future for a new house, hit them up. They got a network of both realtors and, obviously, they handle the financing. Uh, they can make this thing really easy for you in a time where it's not that easy. Inventory's low. Rates are moving. You need, you need a team that knows what they're doing. Hit them up. They'll take care of you. And then our friends over at Axis PT, um, just taking care of the littles and the bigs, the knocks, the strains, the sprains. Uh, 20 locations across the metropolitan area. Hit them up. Go get your ship fixed. Pinnacle points of the day. You're excited. I can see it in your face. You know, I'll, I'll go um, because I. Th this is a heartwarming story. Um, we have a guest on today. I'm sure you guys are reading your screen, and we'll introduce him here after the intro. Um, we all played high school soccer in the 90s, um, some earlier than others, um, on this show today. Mm. And uh, Nice little slant there, dude. Um, we necessarily didn't have the training staff that some of these high schools do now. And I'm going to reference a story um, from my Pinnacle Point One today out of Clayton High School. Um, there is a um, athletic trainer at Clayton High School. Um, I'm going to butcher her name. I think her name is Amra Kardavzevich. Um Easy on the eyes too, mind you. She's she's a cutie. Sounds uh, Irish. Um, yeah, it does sound <laughs> Irish. Um, 18 year old senior practicing at Clayton High School. Um, started experiencing some heart problems um, during training. Um, by all accounts, from the athletic director and the news story and the, the responding um, 911 personnel, um, this athletic trainer tried to administer um, quick life-saving practices, um, immediately dialed 911. Um, this gentleman was experiencing heart pain, shortness of breath. He, he lost some visibility, it sounds like. 18-year-old star at Clayton, mind you. Last name is Wooten. I don't know his first name. Um, by all accounts, the quick actions of this young athletic trainer at Clayton High School, um, by all accounts, saved this gentleman's life. Um, he had heart surgery um, for whatever condition he had. I should know more, but it, it still is just the pinnacle point. And kudos to um, Clayton High School. Kudos to that athletic trainer. Um we have kids that all play the game, and there is much more medical personnel nowadays, and that's a good thing. And, and that's just a good story that came locally out of our world of soccer here recently. I wanted to mention it. Well done, Jared. The, that There was no references to the weather. 
or college soccer. Or college, yeah, <laughs> that's a good story. I, mean, I like it. <laughs> it's, it's always good to have, you know, we think sometimes there's excessive amounts of folks around the game these days, but there's a reason for it, and I think you just called it out, and it's, it's great. Well, I think it's one of those things, too. You know, we talk about the kind of the growth of the game, growth of programs, growth of the the level of services, both at the club level. You know, and high schools have been slow to respond to that <clears throat> as far as the overall staff. Clayton, what you guys did is a perfect example. Treat it like an academy. Treat it like a, a larger institution. You should have PTs there, trainers there, et cetera. Kudos to you. You saved the kid's life. Um, you'll never forget that. And everybody thanks you for that. Um, I'm going to go second because I'm going to follow up with what I just addressed. Jared, no college. I'm going to talk about college soccer. Okay. <clears throat> what happens if Excuse I would have went first and talked about college soccer? You would have just he had jumped on my back. No, I know. I got multiple options here. Oh, okay. I would have went elsewhere. Um, on this show, we have spoke to current active 10 NCAA coaches. Um, I, I take that back. 11. 10 of the 11 have winning records to the tune of 73, 19, and 29. We have one, two, three, three, no, four that are undefeated. One of them, which is uh, Brandon Santel, they won again over the weekend, 12 and 0. They haven't wow. given up a goal. That's amazing. <clears throat> yeah. So 12 and 0, goals against zero. Um, three of the 10 are nationally ranked, uh, Akron being the highest at number three in the nation. One team has a losing record, but it doesn't matter because every kid on that team will be the CEO somewhere. That's Joe Clark's Washu. Yeah. So they're winning too. Yeah. Pretty impressive. That's real impressive. Now, I do have an unofficial list of those that have not come on the show or blown <laughs> us off. I can tell you definitively, <laughs> those numbers good. are not as good. Not as good. No, no, no. So, but I think, but, but in, in, in some fairness, <laughs> some of these guys want to come on and we just haven't worked it out because they're in the middle of the season. Well, hey. Namely, the alma mater is biting at the, uh, chomping at the bit. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> nice catch. Yeah. Touche. <laughs> so that's my pinnacle point of the day. Uh, if you're a college coach, you want to tell families about your program and get a little uh, good luck rub, give us a call. We'll throw you on the show. What you got, Zach? I am going back to soccer. And this weekend we had an international friendly between the U.S. men's national team and Deutschland. Alemania. For Germany, and we got uh, our ass kicked. Well, they are good. They are good, but you know we they had to get out of the group in the World Cup, and we lost to them. I know three to one. And how about the goal? Well, which First one? Pula six goal was pretty. It was nice. It was very nice, and in the field of play, and he deserved it. I mean, he worked for it. The whole team did. Um, he's improving. We're getting better. It's just. I, I, there's just a, there's just a, a, a fog for me over the Greg Berhalter era. It's just, and I, I don't know how to explain it. I know we've talked about it a couple times with different people. We can't get over the finish line. We, I just, I worry about it, and I don't know if it's 
just him, but there just feels like a, a pall over the whole thing. And my hope is that through these other friendlies, because we don't get to do World Cup qualifier, qualifiers because we're hosting, so we don't have to. But, shit, we got to go out and beat some teams like Germany. We got to get games. Yeah, and they got to be quality games like Germany. I mean, they had their A squad out there. We had our A squad out there, and it was just it was a good game. Uh, but I felt it was like the Netherlands game. They just worked us. And, you know, that's all I had to say. I, it's nothing really revolutionary about it. Just, like, I don't know how to put it. Just, I mean, that's, that's a pouty patty take. It, well, okay, turn <laughs> it around. Make it better for me. Because I, I, I walked uh, it, away kind of like, Ugh. It's a friendly. Um, you're in the middle of season. The, I saw something where uh, of the roster we had, 12 players are on teams, first divisions that are in the top five spots in their league. And then, you know, a fewer number that are, you know, competing in the middle table. For example, like Tim Ream, they're 11th in the EPL. You know, it's like overall. But but, but compare that to Germany's team. I mean, look, that seems like an excuse. No, here's the thing. Germany, Netherlands. Uh, Argentina, Brazil, Spain, et cetera, yeah. et cetera, et cetera, yeah. et cetera. They all have systems. It does not matter where these guys come from. For the most part, they all know how to play together under a German umbrella. Okay. The argument that I've always had, we are so large, we have a rotation both at the youth level and at the head coach, in, in the head coaching position. What's our style? Well, but these, We're but great athletes. Of the 11 you know? starters, of the 11 starters in that match, nine were starters in the World Cup two years ago, a year and a half ago. So it's not like this is the first time these guys are getting together. Well, they also haven't been in camp for two, 30 days prior, uh, getting some chemistry, et cetera, et cetera. I, I, look, should we have lost to Germany 3-1? I don't know. 2-1? Probably. Right? I mean, they're still a favored team. I, so yeah. in order for us to beat Was the, there a goal in that game early that was called back from offsides? I believe there was. Because uh, I heard Burhalter bitching about that on social media. I don't know. And he said it would be a different game. Well, because that goal wasn't I, I would sides. say that too. You know what would have made it a different game? Not allowing three in yeah, and scoring more than them. Makes yeah, a difference. It's, You've it's always lame been excuses. top-notch at math. I know. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I'm on a microphone. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well hey, I'm, I'm gonna throw I'm gonna throw icing on the cake here. Last pinnacle point before we take a quick break. I got one more too. Well, you you go first. You know, well, my my pinnacle point is selfish again. I'm going back to on the rocks. We just did <laughs> Witch's Night Out in Kimswick, and just knocked it out of the freaking park. And we are gonna be back in Kimswick in two weekends from now. Apple butter for Apple Butter Fest. And if you are a festival I'm, goer, I'm bringing sorghum. You need to come to Kimswick and come get some of our delicious drinks, and you will have a blast. All right. If you want some Santa decorations, too. <laughs> uh, closing point here. Pop, pop culture world. Okay. King of pop. Who is it? Today? Yep. Well, Justin all Timberlake? Time. Michael Jackson. Michael Jackson. Michael Jackson, right? Yeah. That's what, that would be the reasonable answer. Yeah. Right. Uh, apparently, not anymore. Drake just surpassed him for the most number one hits. Dude, I have fighting my son <laughs> in the car. Whoever told Drake that he can sing, 
they're lying to him. Yeah, it's auto-tune. Because the dude can't sing, and he used to be a rapper. He just released a new album because we have 15-year-olds. Oh, and it's a turn. And the, the songs that he raps in, I guess, are Drake songs and are good. The songs he's singing, that he sings in, I can't even listen to them. It's like they mean. They are terrible. Yeah, no, I bad. sing just as good. You do? And you've heard me sing. I have. You do, but you don't have... What is it? A hundred million Instagram followers. Who told him he could sing? <clears throat> it's who, awful. Who's going to tell me can't? He's Canadian. I mean, at we, this point, the, gonna, the, the market felt sorry for him. Oh, sure. It's like Brian Adams. Like, oh, my oh, God. Oh, come on. You're the 51st state. We'll give you a little love. Yeah. So, anyway, Drake just surpassed the king of pop hmm. to take over the title. All right. I'm depressed. Well. I don't watch the news. I'm not mad at it. I just don't. <laughs> I, don't I don't know if I... Yeah, who's who? Who's claiming that? What do you mean? What Billboard charts, Billboard charts are claiming that. Like the number ones is what you referenced. Yeah, it's just math, dude. I, there is not a chance in this world he is more talented than Michael Jackson. I don't think that's the same thing. Popularity and talent are not synonymous. They definitely are not synonymous anymore. No, it's a it's a social media game. Okay, I mean, imagine. Um, I, look, if the Beatles or Michael Jackson were on TikTok. They'd be pretty big. Yeah. Or maybe not. Maybe we're all just fools right now. Yeah, I think we're just old. Well, we're going to roll out with <laughs> Michelle Columbia. <laughs> Down here at Maggie O's, we're going to get some refills. We're going to be back on with our guest. Thanks, Pinnacle. Thanks, Axes. We'll see you on the flip side. Hey, everyone. Buying a home, it's kind of a big deal. Never has there been more competition to buy, so few homes to choose from, all made worse by an uncertain interest rate landscape. Now that you're short a bedroom for the third kid, you're in the wrong school district, and a walkable corner pub isn't nearly close enough, it's time to reach out to the Pinnacle Loan Team for help. They work with a network of agents that have their feet on the ground across the whole region and have a number of loan products that are cost-effective with a process that is simple. Basically, they've got you covered from start to finish. So when it's time to buy, visit thepinnacleloans.com. That's thepinnacleloans.com. Simply the best in home loans. Zach here. I love my kids, really. And when my kids have a knock, a sprain, a tweak, I like to get them back to 100% as soon as possible. I also hate deductibles. I get it. But now, in Missouri, I don't have to waste any unnecessary copay after my child rolls her ankle because now I can go straight to a PT. No more pediatric visits in a germ-infested lobby waiting for permission to go to a physical therapist. Axis Physical Therapy has 19 locations from Glen Carbon to Winsville and specializes in rehab, especially soccer rehab. So instead of burning a couple of needless hours and cash going to get a referral, take that bump or bruise straight to Axis. Go to AxisPT.com for more info. And feel free to Venmo me your half the savings. There's that guitar riff. <laughs> More like it. Does this make you happier? Yeah. I mean, other than the shit that I never heard, whatever you just had for... <laughs> Intro and outro. Oh, I'm, I'm gonna play that more often. I like the vibe. You like this one though? This Black Crows? Tis the Black Crows. Oh, well done. 
I don't know the song, but it sounds like I can't I don't know the guy's name. But I know you do, but Chris, sure, Robinson, yeah, it's brothers, Robinson brothers, Black Crows. Playing this in honor of our guest today. I'm just taking a guess, knowing his uh, 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 generational time frame. <laughs> this was definitely all over the radio when we were uh, graduating from high school at the same time. Without further ado, Mr. Mike Slavinsky. Slavo. How you doing, buddy? I'm good. I'm good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man. How's that Pine of Guinness treating you? It's... it's- fantastic um generational time frame does yeah. that mean i'm i'm older than everybody here or no you're no. the same age as jb okay we're Just checking we uh we came across on the same arc okay through not through north county you were north county no st charles st charles county he's on the right side of the river is it north of 40 yes it's yeah, all north it's county to me there no, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah you're from no. illinois right yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. I'm from a different world. <laughs> yeah, that's all. Enough said. You're not from this state. Right? I'm glad you're here. We finally have our third guest from um, not Granite City. Four ninety. That's true. I've had ninety-one guests that are either from there or wish they were from there. So your math is accurate. I liked Granite City when I was there. <laughs> How's it going, man? How you doing? I'm fantastic. Thank you. Appreciate you joining us. Um, I believe, no, I don't believe, I know for a fact. Yeah, we were uh, text introduced a little while back from a mutual friend, Mr. Jeffrey Halsey. Correct. Oh, <laughs> brother. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jared's like, oh my God, I, you know, no. I, don't, I thought we were we were ceasing and desisting all goalie related. Is Halsey our booking agent at this point? <laughs> Him and Bill Luby. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and well, Pat- thanks, Jeffrey. Pa- yeah, Patch, Bill Luby, and Halsey yeah. <laughs> doing their best. So you, uh, what I, what I'd like to do, because I mean, your your name is really synonymous with the generation of players, in particular, you know, coming out of the late '80s into the '90s. Um, we all knew, we knew you, we knew who you were, we knew where, where you were playing, we knew your skill sets. Uh, for the listeners out there, paint a little bit of a picture, give us a roadmap, just so we can kind of connect the location, club, you know, a little bit of your early path to to our backyard here. Okay. Um, well, I guess it starts back when uh, St. Charles wasn't in North County. <laughs> and back then, um, if you were in St. Charles, like you were supposed to be tipping cows and, and stuff like that, you weren't supposed to kick a soccer ball. And, and uh, so I think from the, now, obviously, that's changed because you look at, you know, Timmy Ream and Sargent, and apparently that's where if you want to play for the national team, you should be from St. Charles County. <laughs> oh, well, I'm going to get a text from a Too certain sh- high school coach about that oh, one. Oh, boy. <laughs> um, but so, like, <clears throat> when I grew up playing soccer, uh, I was the first in my family, right? I went to uh, my first practice, having just watched like Bird and Johnson, um, <laughs> and the coaches like dribbled the ball to the wall and back, and I picked it up and bounced it to the wall and back, you know. And I'm five years old, and it didn't go well. I cried, and my parents didn't have that, and I didn't want to go back, and they kind of forced me. Um, and then like the ninth or tenth game, I finally scored a goal and enjoyed it. And then the next season, it was kind of I don't want to say the floodgates were op- open, but it was a different mindset for me. And uh, so I just grew up, played for an independent volunteer teacher, uh, Mr. Anderson. Shout out to you, Jim. He used to pick me up 
on his way home from teaching and take me to practice and he would coach from a literal book where was that practice at was becky, it at becky david elementary yes <laughs> yes in a I know, gym i know well. with with fold-up chairs and we would put them against the wall and we'd have to do wall passes around the chairs for about 35 minutes because i don't think he knew what else to do uh, <laughs> sweetheart of a man but our team was actually really good and uh we had another late the late dan radke i don't know if you guys are familiar yep. danny played a name yeah played for the ambush hell of a hell of a human being um his story is pretty sad but yes it is so we were on that same team and we played a team called uh i guess it was mastercraft back in the day tony cooster was a coach of that team was a shallow on that team shallow was on my team yeah the my noah's ark team yep yeah that's and a great family that's too. A, that whole well do you are you are you familiar with that whole neighborhood yeah like three or four of those kids are all dead from my first club team so i'll, I'll probably talk about that too yeah wow. but just Damn. to go through this so i got we could never beat you know cooster's team and Tony Cooster, you know, he's, in my opinion, the best coach here in St. Louis, certainly the one best coach that I played for. Um, and uh, his kids just pretty much did what they want with the ball. He didn't really yell at them. He was just kind of letting the game kind of take care of itself. We could never beat them. So I went to go play for Tony at like, I don't know, seventh, eighth grade, probably U13, whenever, you know, it meant something, you could play for a state <clears throat> cup. And uh, <clears throat> so that's kind of when I probably got exposed to soccer right you know um but as far as my family i was the first one to play play for tony um left cooster at like 16 mm. because at that time gallagher had like a u19 and um you know the over 23 or the amateur level and and that was pre-mls or anything like that and right. i was able to play for those two teams as well as as a younger player and then it just kind of went from there and you know and, and and we got that so to get to your point yeah so i started first of my family volunteer coach yeah. um there was no uh four days a week and and super nice shoes were, and stuff like that to were you a multi-sport athlete as well tough question i i was in my mind but my body didn't let me proceed so i played baseball and even basketball like basketball up until like seventh or eighth grade and i only played for a little bit and i'm short and white and that was my future there <laughs> but i worked i worked at basketball so i didn't really work at soccer like i went to the junior olympics and basketball I was just a little white kid you know nobody yeah. would block me out i could jump run pretty quick probably decently uh, quick feet i had quick feet yeah. <laughs> i had quick feet but I, but like i was just tiny you know and yeah. uh but i actually practiced basketball um liked it but it certainly wasn't going to be my future and then baseball was kind of boring so your first practice in baseball when they said keep your eye on the ball did you actually literally put your eye on the ball Funny. like you did with <laughs> dribbling the soccer ball no no okay. no at that point i was a little bit wiser um and and but yeah i was like dribbled to the ball i'm polish i don't know slavinsky so nobody got to uh, dumb things I, down for yeah. me I, i'm glad you said something so that's that. not yeah. irish no irish it is though i mean yeah right <laughs> got it got it got it the michael part is irish so slavinsky parts polish. so we're, 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 let's go into um Francis Howe North. So our listeners know I'm, I'm from that wrong side of the river, as JB says, and out in St. Charles County. You're and, on the wrong and, side and, of two rivers. And so is he. <laughs> and so am I. In a time that um, St. Charles County was really before the migration and it was really coming into its own soccer wise, Francis Howe North was one of the first heavy powers 
um, for me, um, you know, as you're three, four, five years older than I am, um, I remember those teams and, and some of those names. Can you talk about those days at Francis Howe North? And, and, you know, this is also for our listeners, as they know, this is a time that, you know, this gentleman that's sitting here on the mic is going to be very humble. Um, Notre Dame's and Virginia's and the who's who of college soccer in America is coming to St. Charles County to watch Francis Howe North. Talk about those days at Francis Howe North. Um, it's it's kind of weird. So Holsey connected us, and in, in my freshman mm-hmm. year, I actually went to Vianney. Okay. And uh, I didn't know I was going to go to Vianney for sure. I was, you know, product of a single mom, working three jobs. We lived in St. Charles. Um, so freshman year, I did not make the preseason camp. So, and that was, Vianney was really good back then. Yep. Well, not I like they're think. not good now, but like back then they were like, Number one in the country for two, Mercurio three straight. Oh, yeah. and everybody. And Yenzer. And so those guys are freshmen with, with my age group. And uh, I, I played JV, so I didn't get a chance to try out for varsity. And and so, like, Yenzer and, and Mercurio, we were all on the state team together. We yep. went to regional camp. And of the three of us, one of us made the regional team and one of us made the national team. But two of them were on varsity and one of them was not. So, obviously, I was a guy that didn't get a chance. So I was – I don't want to say I was bent out of shape, but at the end of that year – my freshman year, I, I did make the national team, and that's when we kind of realized that I went to Vianney just to go to college, you know, to get seen. Yep. Right. Didn't have to make the trek anymore. So when I came to North, um, Hal North was three, four years in existence, yep. newer school. Yep. I never got to play with um, Dean Dallas, who mm-hmm. by all accounts is one of the best players from St. Charles County, but I, I never got to play with him. But that team still had a lot of core pieces in place. So when I arrived there, I was a sophomore. Um, didn't make the tryouts or anything because I was with the U-17s traveling and whatnot. But our team was very good. So Vince was like, we'll probably take this guy. He's coming from the national team. Vince was, but the players weren't. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, until, you know, until you get to practice and you play a little bit. And then, you yeah. know, I, oh, I think. Oh, so he can th- play. He can okay. play, yeah. yeah. And I think that's kind of one of the regrets that I wish I never got a chance to play against Vianney with Hal North because our senior year we got we got beat. But. I wanted to play against those guys really bad just yeah. to, like, prove a point because my OCD in life, like, I'm very selective with some things. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, in high school soccer, certainly sometimes I really wanted to play and sometimes I didn't, and I wanted to play against uh, Vianney greatly. Uh, didn't get that opportunity. But how North, they succeeded. We never got, like, my my senior year, we – my junior year we had a really good team, but Danny Radke, yep. who, who was on my club team, I went to Mastercraft with Cooster. He stayed with his, you know, with his dad and Jim Anderson. And I don't want to say that's why my career progressed, but I'm sure it helped me. Absolutely, and, probably. But he got hurt his senior year, like third or fourth game of the season, like hurt, like did his knee. And he, at that point, he was getting looked at by Indiana Slough. He ended up going to Michigan State. Yep. Um, so we were good, um, certainly for a high school team. And at that at that point, I think we were winning the GAC. Yeah, Pat Shallow on Pat that team. Shallow. Yeah, he was a good player. I played with his brother Nick. Um, yeah. That was a great family. Yeah. Well, for, for a public school way out in the Burbs in Missouri, that was an anomaly. It was absolutely. Absolutely. <clears throat> like, we we beat DeSmet, you know. Yeah. Yep. Uh, we never beat CBC. We never beat SLU. Um, and we never got to play Viani. And yeah. I don't think, honestly, I don't think we would have beat him. But I, How did you guys I, do against Washington High School? <laughs> uh, I think we beat Washington, and I think that's why I quit playing in some of those games because, like, when you get on the ground and there's three guys, sometimes their hands yeah. are someplace where they shouldn't be. <clears throat> that sounds or, right. Is that where you – did that's you – That's right, yeah. 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 So you – so so our timeline's right. 
No, 97. 97. I was like, there was a dark-headed guy that used to mark me, and he kind of hands you. No, I was not a... No, that, no. So high school years were the years again, 90... 90, well, I was at North from like 91, 92, 93. Okay, so here's where we're going next with this. Um, you get recruited, um, and you go to Virginia. Um, and just so our listeners know, Virginia is in the ACC. Most of you guys do know. And they have won seven national championships. Five of their championships were from 89, 91, 92, and 93, and 94. So really the absolute, this is the Alabama of college football. And Mike here is getting recruited out of Francis Howell North to go to Virginia, which is absolutely the marquee college at the time in our nation. Um Coincidentally, is Bruce Arena there at that time? Yes. Yeah, I got a good story about that. Yeah, so can, can we talk about um, Virginia? Sure. Well, talk, talk about the recruiting process. Yeah, and then also yeah. the recruiting process. And, like and the 89 then, Honda Accord, they paid off for me? <laughs> 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 no, we're talking about Virginia, Alabama. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, this is not the SEC. So <laughs> I, I honestly, like, going through the regional team, the ODP program, which was a big thing, way bigger than it is now um i think that's where i got saw seen and so i had a really good i don't even want to say weekend i had an unbelievable moment you know um i got the ball on our end from her keeper and somehow i just kept skating and dribbling all the way up the field the next thing i know i scored and i'm pretty sure that's where i got my first letter from virginia and i was a freshman and they had just won the national championship yeah right me and my mom lived in a 1969 14 by 70 mobile home. So in case we wanted to move it back to Fenton, where it came from, we could. You just got to remove the lattice, and then yeah. you make sure the tires are Lattice is optional. You know, like some <laughs> sort of Tarp. Tarp. Move the screws. We didn't even have the deck. No. It was just a little step. But so we got that letter, and we were like, you know, your floor, they just won the national championship. And I'm like, we're going to frame these bad boys, you know? Yeah. And then they started coming in and I lived literally in a room about the size of this table yep. and you can only frame so many letters. Um, so that was the first ever letter I received. That's awesome. Which was what, what year going. was it? Your freshman year? Freshman year. But okay. that was like, you know, today, you know, kids are committing in like seventh grade and stuff. But like back then you couldn't commit, I think, until like the late junior, early senior year. But you'd get a letter and it would just talk about their school and how they wanted you to come help. They had official visits, and they would they come did. and sit in your living room. They did. Well, that was it. So, like, I lived um, off of 94 in a trailer park, and uh, next to the trailer park was a restaurant called White Castle. Yep. So Bruce Arena flew to my house, my trailer, but I didn't want him to see the trailer first, so I met him at White Castle. <laughs> did you buy him a Crave case? We didn't get him a case, although I'm oh. sure he would love it. I mean, Bruce is, like, super funny, super, like, Unbelievable loyal to his players and his coaches, as you can see, like what I hear. through who he's had. And but like for him to come to White Castle, to the middle of of really not On even ninety four and Prowley, ninety four and Prowley, the stuff that yeah. he did there from yeah. <laughs> let, well, let me let me ask you though. Let me let me That's kind of connect insane. the dots here. Um, you know, because off mic, you were talking a little bit about uh, the game against St. Charles West. I think you said yeah, yeah. where you you know you you kind of alluded to your own. Uh, personal emotions, your drive or dedication or lack, lack thereof if you yeah. didn't want to play. Yeah. In these years, you're talking about what are clearly huge swings in both performance and acceptance. Did you realize that? At what point did you realize that if you were more fo focused or when you did focus, 
Bruce Arena meets you at a White Castle versus a coach being pissed off that you just don't want to play that game? Yeah, that's a that's a good question. Um, I don't honestly feel like I, I realized that until I started coaching. Until I and, well, maybe if I was uh, when I was at DC United, I would think that was the first time in my life where I would like go after practice and work with the ball and train. You know, because I wasn't I wasn't playing. So when Bruce is coming, at that point, I'm just a, you know, just a happy go. Like my first letter came from the two. You know, they just won a national championship. Right. You just you got know. in a fist fight with Francis Howe the yeah. week before. Yeah. And I then, did. Uh, yeah. <laughs> not a fist fight, but like, so my girlfriend. It's, I don't know if that's if you're just making stuff up or not, but my girlfriend like did go to Howell, and I went to Howell North. So obviously that was a game where yep. you know it meant something to me. Yep. Um, <laughs> and Lonnie Land, uh, I'm gonna have to tag him on this because I see him after he was a friend of mine before. But there was a play where we both ran into each other. So he was a goalie. No, he was not. But he was. He well, could have brother been a was Mike. Yep. And but he hit me so hard, and I th- and he tells me I hit him so hard. But neither one of us could let each other <laughs> know about it. It was like that <laughs> scene in uh, like running to the sideline. The ball was there. It was in front of right, like in front of both benches. You know, midline. The ball was free, and I wasn't going to stop, and he wasn't going to stop, and. You know, it's one of those where you just don't. It's like that. Do, it's like know. that scene in Rocky too, where Rocky and uh, Apollo knock each other out yeah, in the pra- yeah. in the free fight. Well, we <laughs> yeah. have they, they don't show that. This was this. Yeah. this you got to see the whole scene play out, and yeah, um, we have a we have some mutual friends, um, uh, the Kellys, and I know they have a fond place in your heart. Um, Talk to us about the the Duchenne game um, because JB had referenced it. You know, and I know this from just. The, the 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 legend that Mike Slavinsky was back in the late '90s in high school soccer, Duchenne's winning four to one or three to one or something in, in the first half, and and they're about ready to take the conference for the first time, and something snapped on you, they say, and you go in there. And you score three goals to win the game in the second half. At halftime, somebody must have just been like, or you must have been like, you know what, it's time. Um, and, and apparently these goals were box-to-box. You know, you get the ball and you're box-to-box. And Duchenne was, had some good players, too. There are a lot of your club team yeah. teammates then. Yeah. And, you know, I think Danny Kelly was, who, who played at SLU, was the goalie on that team. Um, you certainly had a knack for big games, Turning it on when when it was needed, and and can you talk about that? Was that just was that just just sure give a fuck? Yeah, I, I mean I don't want to say it was a knack for big games, but I know like Duchenne when you're playing your buddies, it doesn't matter who or what. It's it's definitely extra special, and I think Danny Kenny, Danny Kelly kind of ticked me off. Not anything because there was a play where the ball was rolling to Danny. And he picked it up, and I was running by him, and he kind of nudged me, and I'm just going, what the fuck are you doing? You know, yeah. like, what, what is that for, Dan? <laughs> and then, like, because Danny is, like, so nice, yep. so by the book. I mean, that kid worked so hard through high school, saved all his money, didn't do anything wrong. Like, we got into trouble, but Danny wasn't there. And uh, so he kind of nudged me, and that, you know, that kind of definitely motivated me. Um, so I think... Honestly, I think stories get blown out of proportion because I don't know if they're yeah. box to box. Yeah. I mean, I remember it was a three-two game. I I think I scored two goals. I I think they were pretty good goals. Yeah. Uh, box to box, I'll take it. You know. Yeah. Um, but I think Danny kind of nudged me a little bit. I never got to play against TK. Uh, so can't really speak on that apart. But Danny, <laughs> I think honestly, I think Timmy and I would be better friends than me and Danny, just knowing 
what the stuff Timmy does. <laughs> then you're probably yeah. right. Because I think we could hang out. You know, the few times we've hung out with Timmy, it's 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 off the chart. He's a different level than me. But um, so yeah, like, but to get back to that, you're being recruited by Virginia. Yeah. All that other stuff, playing in a little itty public school like that, and and some of the games, like I was saying off before we started, is like sometimes I just didn't play because my body wasn't feeling good. I didn't want to play against, you know, like Washington or something like that because. You know, those guys are just going to try and hurt you. And and I thought I was actually being nice at some point, you know, let some of these other guys play. Going back and looking back now when you hang out with some older people and they're like, oh, we shut you down and all this stuff. And Yeah. Okay. I was at White Castle with Bruce and Wiener, yeah, asshole. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, weren't, you weren't in the parking lot getting Bruce some burgers and bringing them back to your trailer. Well, so, so you mentioned <clears throat> you mentioned that you started to, like, reflect on it more once you became a coach. Yeah. Um, you know, and... You have a daughter now that plays. We have boys that play. And, you know, what these kids go through today, it's it's so much more elevated uh, from, you know, from field to brain and mental approach. It's way different than when you were playing when I was playing. Do you look back at what you were doing and the decisions you were making? You know, you talk about, you know, I wasn't physically in the mood. Is it was it really that, or do you think if we're all being honest with ourselves? Because I because I know where my work ethic stopped. Mm-hmm. Was it was it just kind of like if we would have had the tools or the people paying attention to us and forcing us to be more mental, more driven, more focused? Do you think things would have been even better or or different in a good way for you? I think honestly, I've thought about this question and and. Um, I think it is really like the end result. So my game isn't suited for the indoor world, right? There was no professional league outdoor at that time. I had a chance, you know, being with the U-17s to go maybe overseas and play for a Germany or a Hungary, but that, you know, clubs over there. But at that point, you still go to college, you know, like um, the McKinney's and the Plistics of the world's got that, not necessarily because of my generation, but like Landon and those guys. Yeah, absolutely. When, when the U-17 started going to Bradenton and training and not going to high school, mm-hmm. you know, because for me, yes, it was part that, but also it was just like I, I could most of the time try what I wanted to try and, and succeed. You know, that's why I don't know if I said that on camera off or on, on mic or off mic about wanting to play Viani. You know, I wanted right. to play those guys bad. And it was something like all our high school kids would talk about, and we're not going to win the game, but I'm like, just kick the ball up the field if we do, you know, and, and let's just see. Um, so I think more today, these kids have a path to where it makes sense, or it's not makes sense. But for me, it would have made more sense to go to practice more because I, we didn't train three, four times a week like these guys are doing now, um, which is amazing. And then looking back on me personally, when I started coaching and I see how hard these kids are working, and they're, you know, not to knock it, but they're not going to a Duke. You know, they're going to Central Methodist or Maryville, and these kids are good. Right. And it makes you look back and like, mm, was I really that good? You know? So generationally. Yes. Well, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, well, it counts, yes. Yeah. Let, let, let me, let me that, ask a, yeah. just kind of a, <clears throat> it's a, it's a version of a consistent question we ask on the show. Yeah. But I'm going to ask you in the reverse. The reverse. This is the first time I've ever done this. Um you are one of those players that everybody that speaks of you, your peers um, that watched and some coaches that we talked to that know you or saw you play, you had, in their word, it. And when I ask 
individuals on here that are, uh, you know, we've asked um, Pat Noonan, we've asked Brad Davis, we, we've asked a lot of people. Mm-hmm. When you look at talent or when you look for talent, what do you look for? And when you see it, what is it? I'm going to ask you not what you think it is, but what do you think it was that you had that was your it? Uh, well, can I say the mullet? Sure. I had a mullet. I mean, in 91, and, and 92, and a, 93, I'm not, if you didn't have a mullet, you didn't have it. I had my mullet. My mullet, <laughs> well was, my mullet was it. Um, I think, I know I could probably do the things that people couldn't do, like um, especially American players, because I think it came from an environment where my club coach, Cooster, like encouraged us to dribble, right? So I had the freedom to do that. So I could, if that would be the it. You know, I think I had vision balance and stuff like that but i could definitely run as fast without the ball as i could with it and i could stop and start the, the reason where that caught up to me and just having it um as i didn't work hard enough on just the basic shit you know yeah and then when i got to the pros um i had some injuries which i think messed up my mind but the it the, it's hard to do at the highest highest level right because everybody's um, got it yeah well it when you're trying to dribble like everybody has it on the opposite end of, of <laughs> they know how to dribbling. stop it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they, don't, they, that, they that know how to take angles and, and everything else like this, and it's it's a different thing. Um, the IQ of the game raises hugely. as the levels that you bump up hugely. Absolutely, um, but that's a tough question to answer. But yeah, I think that's well, it. Well, but I think I, so. The reason I ask is, I, I mean, you've been incredibly forward and you know honest, and you know, and you said you would be. Um, and not that I think other guests in the past have been less honest with their own pedigree or experiences, but I think that I think it's important um, because clearly you were confident. You had you had confidence as a a young boy, young man, as a player, you know, because those are the things you did on the field. And I think it's important to talk about those things because, like, our boys, your daughter, the kids today, sure. you know. A lot of times when these other individuals talk about what they're looking for, they're looking for drive. They're looking for character, competition, somebody that wants to win. And that's, you know, and again, I remember you and that team, you hated to lose is is really what I'm extrapolating out of this. You know, in, in your experience with your daughter and what coaching you've done, do, do you, do you, do you look at that? Do you try to work on that for the next gen that, you know, that how do you compete? How do you get mad when you're down as opposed to 99% technical ability? Yeah, I think that's important to, to kind of like competition. I, I know I had that inside me, but I don't think I truly learned how to compete until I played at Virginia. Um, mm-hmm. So I'll, I'll kind of come back to that real quick because like. I did have confidence. I didn't have an ego, but I know when I was walking out of the field, my my first day of practice at UVA, they were you know two time national champs, right? And we're playing five v two, and I lay the ball off, and somebody cleans me. Like our practices were intense. Like you did not think about not wearing shin guards, right? And I got laid out, and and the guy stayed up. Dave Cox stood over me. He's like, "You're not special here, Rook," right? <laughs> first practice, we're not even playing yet. <laughs> just, just warm, and I'm like. You know, like I was feeling that way anyway, you know, and then uh, so but then we played a small sided little game and I did something and he went one way and I went the other way and scored. And that's when I realized that, you know what, I, I belong here. But that leadership, that competitiveness, he wasn't an all-American, you know, that my freshman year, I think eight 
I'd have to do the math, but I'm going to say at least seven, if not eight, went to the MLS. Like that team was stacked, and um, so I Who had were some of the names on that team. Claudio Reyna. Yep. Right. Um, heard of him. I mean, yeah. funny story about him too. Freshman <laughs> weekend. Uh, we'll, we'll hear that here in a minute. In a second, yeah. And like Brandon Pollard, AJ Wood, Damian Silvera, Brian Bates, who is another guy who I don't want to put myself in his category, but that dude could flat out freaking play. And he didn't really make it at the highest level as far as he should. Yeah. Probably similar to me because I don't know if he always competed like the way he should because it probably came to him. He, like we could play with three in the back and Bates would play as the last defender and get forward. Our team was. You guys were ace. We, we were. We, I they, that, that, team was, that, team, that, that team was really good. And, and, and Clint PA, Jeff Causey, our goalie. Um, who else? And Mike Fisher was on that team. He was the Gatorade player of the year for like his senior year. He went to med school, but he would have went to MLS. So there's. Eight or nine guys on that team. Wow. And I came into that team. Like, uh, don't let me get off target. I want to go back to this confidence because I think that yeah. competition and competing is a skill. And, and, I, and I firmly believe that. But my, fresh, my first day, so we did that practice. And then after that, this is the only fitness we did at UVA. We went to go run a mile. And I watched these first group take off. And I was like, holy shit, these guys are flying. And they ran like low sixes, under six minutes. I was in the second group and Claudio... <laughs> Claudio was in my group, thank God. And we are slowly being left by everybody, right? <laughs> I finished at like 703. He was 720. And Claudio's already the player of the year, like two-time mm -hmm. player of the year for the whole like he's a junior. I mean, he was it was amazing. Yeah. So Bruce writes, everybody scores up on the whiteboard, and he puts my, mine and Claudio beneath the board. Right. And I'm just running <laughs> around this, like trying not to throw up, just thinking in my mind, I don't know you, Claudio, but don't pass me you know like in my mind i'm rehearsing this but that dude knew he was going like he was leaving university after that point so that that weekend the story was nhl sega hockey yeah i think he was like 120 and like eight the one weekend you just roll into claude's room and roll back out because nobody could beat him because he, he, he knew he was leaving school you know um so that team was good but i i truly learned what competition was at UVA, like we had freedom to play, we you know you hear all these other stories where these teams are running. The, I've never ran what is it the Coopers two two no. miles beep test all that never shit. done all that. Thank you. Never done all that. Never did two miles. We did one mile run after that. Now our practices were intense, and we competed. And if you lost like a small sided game, you would do some runs on the side, and nobody right. wants to lose. And there was plenty of fist fights. I mean our practices were intense. I think the the to get back to the question though. When, when I had a, um, my own little training company and I did a lot of coaching, everything for me was a competition for these kids on the field. Not necessarily on Saturdays and Sundays. You know, like I don't want them to feel like if they don't win the game that they, that they had failed. But if we're playing five aside, your team should fucking win the game, yeah. right? Yeah. And, and that's how you're going to make your teammates better. That's how you're going to make it better. You know, and, and you just put them in situations like that to where – they understand what it means to win and what it means to lose and, and, and trying to win right? in every, like I'm saying everything. I love that. And I think back to like when our boys were younger and they would play those stupid ass games that we never knew the rules to. We're just watching <clears throat> training. And if somebody didn't do the right thing, like if they fudged a rule, they would get ridiculed 
the competition part is so huge, and I really love these stories. I'm looking forward to the second half because I've got a couple questions about your time yeah. at UVA and some times before that, and this has been great. Thanks, Mike. Yeah, we're gonna roll, we're gonna roll to a quick break. We're gonna get some refills down here at Maggio's. Um, be fail. I would be remiss to not mention they cater. Get these lemon flats. Yeah, lemon pepper sent to you. And we'll be back. We're going to get some refills. See you on the other side. The term staycation was really invented by soccer moms. Located one hour and seven minutes from the arch, the Music Box Chalet at Innsbruck is a hidden gem. Buried in three acres of private woods, the Music Box has a master suite for just you a loft and second bath for them, and a vinyl collection to meet your every mood. The full-size kitchen will easily accommodate three to 12 bottles of rosé, while the huge fire pit seating area will keep the big kids busy. Golf, fishing, kayaking, pickleball, or simply reading a book with Mother Nature, all at your fingertips. Visit either VRBO or Airbnb to find the Music Box Chalet. And now, back to those guys. You know, you're progressively getting better with the songs in this episode. It's the tequila. You started off a little rough. Oh, stop oh, yourself. Oh, I know that guy. Yeah. A, little, a little happy hour. Is there a better singer ever in country music than this guy? Ooh. I will debate that all day long. What you got? I, I don't think I have somebody I was going to say who's going to debate that. Yeah. You're trying. You're thinking. Uh, Come on, Jared. Uh, I can see that steam coming out of your ears. <laughs> I'm going to go this guy, but I think there's some guys that have kind of lived in there that some people could argue. Name one. Vince Gill? No. Not even close? Uh, yeah. I, I think that the difference is... He's Chris a Stapleton, pretty... Chris Stapleton has a, that raspy, like, higher-end, screamy voice. Vince Gill is much more pure, clean... Garth Brooks had a larger range than Chris Stapleton. Yeah, but I mean, the Garth Brooks, though, like, look, I love Garth Brooks, too. I love Vince. I love all those guys. But pound for pound, I don't care if it's a ballad. I don't care if it's a cappella or with a bunch of tellies like in this song. He's the best. I, I am not discounting anything. I love Stapleton, and I think he is among you, the top three. I just don't know if I would say you he's know what the gives Stapleton best. a disservice His because beard. he's so big and so awesome is the stadium amphitheater type venue doesn't do his it's, not for him. it's it, it, like you need to see him at 4,000 people in the Fox or like at the Ryman because I think he would be such so like his his, his acoustics and his vocals. He, he would come off so much better in a more intimate, but he's never going to play in that venue ever. No, he, unless played, he played here this summer at uh, Hollywood Amphitheater. And it just doesn't do it justice because yeah. it's so open air. Yeah, you know, I, I totally agree. But, I mean, the reality is the, the artists, I don't care what the genre is, when they are that great and they make small rooms that incredible, yeah. the demand slings them up. No, I listen, <clears throat> I, I, I won't argue. I, I, I would just put a couple others in contention. Up there, but you guys listen to Monday Night Football. Yes. Have you heard his intro song? I haven't Him heard it Snoop? yet. It's good. 
put Garth Brooks on that, and then let's let's have this debate. Yeah, no, exactly. Because like it'll stop you in your tracks. Yeah, I, I can't mean, get over me, Sunday like, night football with Carrie Underwood's legs. She has legs. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> we have now that we've jumped. Even my the shark, wife's like, look at her legs. I think she, out. <laughs> uh, she should be in a Hallmark movie. I, I, I want to <laughs> jump back in here to this confidence piece because I think it's such a huge, huge topic. And I think back to an episode months and months ago with Morgan Hackworth, yeah. who's the son of John Hackworth, sure. who's the assistant over at, at City Two. Um, and, you know, he talked about how when he went to Syracuse, he had confidence. And then he got rocked and he realized his confidence wasn't because he actually was good. I mean, he, he was, but he wasn't good enough to have that level of confidence. And I think you kind of talked about that in your first day. Uh, Dave Fox, I think is the guy's name. Who, Dave Cox. Cox. Dave Cox. Yeah. Who was Shout like, you, you're not special here, Rook. You're not special here. Rook. And you realized, wow, the confidence you had because you were a rock star at, at, Gatorade North, player of the year. Gatorade player of the year. You played with the U.S. national team. You had all these accolades. You're walking into UVA, and they're like, yeah, prove it. Fuck this guy. Fuck this guy, <laughs> right? Because there's a guy named Claudio Reyna there. Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, but everybody, I don't want to say everybody, but like I mentioned, um, 80% of our roster, or at least starting roster, went to the MLS. So right. they were all mm -hmm. Americans, two-time All-Americans, you know, everything like that. And so to, the, to this confidence piece, I did not know that I had it. I think it was a more a naive thing, and sometimes I just would go play, you know, and I really wasn't thinking that I'm going to dominate or do anything. Sometimes I did, but most of the time it was just, you're just out there. And then when I got injured um, and when I came back, I was more worried about my knee, and something in my mind had changed, like the confidence piece to where I used to just get the ball. And I truly believe you got to stop me nine, ten, ten out of ten. Yeah. And I'm going to go 10 out of 10 at you. And if I get through that one time, I, I feel good about myself and you don't. Yeah. And I lost that. Um, and then, you know, not to make it totally about me, but when I got to D.C., I hadn't played soccer at a collegiate level at hardly at all. I mean, I got suspended from school for a year. I did my knee the third day of preseason. The following year, the next year, I was trying to come back and decided I was going to go just be a student. And so, then, so what happened on the suspension? Good question. I had, uh, I came in as a transition student, so I did not pass. I passed 10 out of the 12, 14 credit hours. I had one credit in the fall that was pass-fail. Um, flunked that. So that put me beneath hours. And then the spring, same thing. Um, fall, I wasn't partying at all. I was pretty, you know, I'm, I'm either on or I'm off. Right. <laughs> so it's either go time or it's I, not. I think we got, I think we figured that out at yeah. this point. Well, yeah. Game wise, party wise. I'm, I was really disciplined. Like, I mean, I did a couple drinks here in the beginning, you know, rookie, rookie, you know, mm -hmm. weekend and whatnot. But uh -uh. now the soccer team, we got after it probably like every university. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, like partying too. Not you, partying too. Oh, yeah. But just across the table. But then in the spring, I I did party, and uh, and then I flunked the class. But like, being a transition student, I was supposed to be given four semesters. And at that time, I you know I did come into a good team, right? I was second on the team in point. Like through twelve games, I had, I was on pace to set the goal record and the assist record for freshmen. And then I got moved out wide because we had two guys that played up top that were injured. And that's all they could do was play up top. So little Mikey, you know, I was pretty pissed off about that. 
and I didn't deal with that, and I only had like one assist or two assists the remaining eight or nine games. So I set the assist record. <clears throat> so anyway, it was a tough thing for me to go away from school because um, mm -hmm. I was doing well in the soccer field, uh, came back, got hurt after missing a, a full year, third day of preseason, my own teammate. Um, if he would only pass the ball, <laughs> it wouldn't have happened. And because, uh, again, competing, we were losing in a 7v7, you know, three-team tournament. You lose, you go off, you sprint. I tried to catch Lenny, Matt Leonard. He had a three-on-one. He should have laid it off probably a little sooner. He took a heavy touch. I was able to step in front of him and play it back to my defender. And he, he got me pretty good. He was a big dude. And that was my ACL. Yeah. Right? Damn. And uh, didn't know it at the time. I mean, I got up, walked off the field, and then, like, Need, it, uh, it, did it balloon up? It did the next day. Yeah, yeah I woke up yep. and that's when I knew it was bad. But like Damn. everybody just thought I was my, you know, I was Slavo was tired because I'd chased somebody back on defense. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, it was more than that, and then <clears throat> it was it was pretty bad. So I don't think I mentally recovered from that to become the player that got me to UVA, right? And so when you look at the confidence piece, um, I've kind of lived both sides, you know. So what would you say to you know kids? that are thinking about going down that path that come they have the ability the to go down yeah, they have that ability you know they, they have the quality to to get to that next level but like you they might not have realized the amount of effort it actually takes to stay sure at that level and then make it to the next level which is you know the pros i mean do you have any advice looking back on where your mindset was pre-injury and post-injury what could you have done, if anything, to prepare yourself for that? Prepare myself for for the injury, injury. Okay. and coming back. The, the coming back part, I, I think, going into the the whole the whole summer before you go to school, like that 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 time before I somebody actually physically said those words. You're not special here, Rook. Right. So I I would take those words and and have somebody hear them and really believe it because when you watch. When you watch the guys on TV, um, most of them aren't me, right? Most of them aren't the kids that were the best players at 13, 14, 16, 18, whatever, who was had the it. Most of them are like the Steve Ralstons, who is a little bit older than me. The drive. But he was just consistent. That dude showed up. Like, my first college game was against Steve at Florida International. Funny how that works out. I mean, wow. we played RU19 Gallagher team. Yeah, Trent Tokis was on that team. Yep. Mm -hmm. uh, who else was it? like uh, Joel Fisher? I think was on that team. No, three St. Louis guys. First ever collegiate game against guys that were on my club team. That I that U19 Gallagher team to to that point was we were stacked, mm -hmm. and Ralston didn't even start for us, and he went on to lead the country in goal scoring. And I don't know what he is the all time assist leader minute like yeah dude, minutes at one time assist. he was yeah, but yeah dude successful. And so to that like I think to have it and be it and be that type of player for an American pro team when our league is now succeeding and you're getting other players that grow up in Honduras and Guatemala where they have one ball for 30 players and they're learning how to shield the ball and fight them. That, that isn't always our forte. So just to put your nose, what is that? Can you help me with that? Nose, nose to the, the grind. grindstone. Yeah. Grindstone. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Grindstone. Yeah. You better cowboy. be careful around here. Yeah. Yeah. Say <laughs> Whatever you do, don't ever. Yeah. I didn't know that. But don't just, ever guys. bite at I saw, the bit. I saw JB look at me like, I was like, all right, I better he get some help. He started to pause. And I better like, get some help. Uh, I got you. Yeah, I got you. Yeah, you, uh, you just, better make like a tree and get out of here. Yeah. Just just remember those words like and leaf. Right? Gotcha. There you go. I'm trying. See, Polish, baby. I'm slow. Jeez. I'm slow. 
but tough crowd. It's uh, I wish I would have taken that to heart a little bit more at that time, other than because I was scared. Honestly, I'm going out to the field. I know that I haven't run the mile all summer. You know, I've kicked the ball four times, and I'm going to this. You know, that was just me. So I was nervous. He let me know, and then I realized at that point that what we did at practice. That the games, I, I know it's cliche, you know, when people say our practice was harder than a game. I know ours wasn't. No, it ain't. It ain't cliche at all because it's real. Because the, the teams, that Virginia team, there's other teams that we can reference. That Noonan, um, Twelman, Ralston, New England yeah. team. Yeah. Those teams, um, the teams that really had a lot of success for, a, for, for some longevity, um, and everybody's been on one of those teams. I was on one of those teams collegiately. The practices were harder than the games, yeah. without question. Well, a big part of that is also when when you're playing at that level, at, frankly, at any level, if you have a competitive team, whether it's a U13, Premier Club, or other, you're playing. You're seeing the same faces over and over and over, and you know what's at stake. Sure. You got you know 22 people, 22 kids on a roster on a team, 18 roster. Well, only 11 start. So it's not hard to do the math, and you know there's a pecking order, you know, and you fight through that. What what I'm curious about is, you know, you, you have the injury, you're struggling to kind of mentally recover to it, you know, and then match the physical uh, return to the confidence level that you had prior. Then there's that little gap, and MLS, MLS comes along, and you you get drafted. Sure. What what happens? Because what I'm hearing is you hit this speed bump, this injury, and you didn't you didn't recover well from it, you know, mind mm-hmm. and body. Mm-hmm. But in a short period of time, you now are approaching and you're playing professionally in in this new league. What transition? How did that occur? For one of the marquee franchises <clears throat> early on in, yep. in our domestic league, yep. for sure. It was, in all honesty, it was kind of similar to UVA in the sense because D.C. had just won the championship. Right now, I alluded to earlier Bruce Arena, you know, the White Castle and and everything like that, but he was very loyal. And so I reached out to Bruce if I could go train with them, and this is 1998, hoping that he would put me in touch with Bob Bradley at the Chicago Fire because I hadn't kicked the ball eight, ten months, you know, like, um, and I went out there to go. To, well, here's here's the difference between pros and college for all you young bucks that are thinking about this. Because we talked about the mile at university when little Mikey ran it in 7-0, whatever, 3. We did this where this is your livelihood at stake. And we had to do, we were just doing, I don't know what the proper term is today, but strength and agility training. Mm-hmm. Yep. And a little facility before we got to the team because I was staying with my <coughs> buddy Brent and his mom and working out with them. And we would have to run to the stop sign and run back. You know, and after three weeks of doing that, we did that a couple times a day. My time went from 7.03 to 5.16. Wow. And so you got after it. Wow. That's good. But that's just fear. You know, like, that's just fear. But that was when I that was when I started. I made a switch that this is, I dropped out of school. The only thing I'm qualified to do is go play soccer. Yeah. Right? So I made the call to Bruce, hoping <clears throat> I would get an opportunity to go to Chicago. He ended up signing me as a discovery player. I came off the bench and I actually felt pretty good about it because that team, as you as you just alluded to, they were the two-time like we won yeah. that '98 team. We went to the MLS Cup. We lost um, to the Chicago Fire, ironically. Yeah. And, but we won the Concacaf Cup. 
which meant that we got to which meant that we beat the Mexican mm. champions, and then we the winner of the North American Concacaf had to play the South American champion, which was Vasco da Gama from Brazil. Mm-hmm. Home and away, we beat them. So at that particular moment in time, we were the best team in the Western Hemisphere, to my knowledge. I don't think any other. That hasn't I don't think any other recently. team here is. I don't think anybody's right. won that the Inter American Cup. So that team was. Yeah, I mean, so I know I was on the field with some. So I always like downplay what I did or what I did not do. I do understand like I probably did have it, but where I was lacking was upstairs, and it's just the desire to go, put yourself out there. And really train, and if you make it, you make it, or if you succeed, you see. Like I never had that part. You, Steve just, Ralston, talked about that. I mean, the, the mental part of that game, and you referenced him as well. I, I mean, he kind of epitomized the the mental toughness part of it. And it sounds like with the confidence piece, with the injury, and everything else, if there was a thing to work on for you, that would have been something that could have been helped. And I, 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 I bring that up because you referenced one of your coaches from the early days yeah. and, and a quote that, that stuck yeah. with you. Yeah. And I want you to kind of go back to that. And it's a, it's a friend of the show yeah. um, because um, I'll, I'll let you kind of sure. go from there. But I, this is kind of cool. So when I played for Tony Cooster, we had a couple of assistants. Um, Mike Cookie, Marty Pike. Marty's still active Marty. in the soccer community. Yeah, absolutely. And Gary Rensing, you know, um, Damon Rensing, head coach of Michigan State, it was his father. And and Gary was one of our coaches. I don't know if he was calling an assistant. Like, Marty and Mike were the assistants and Tony and Gary. So when I came back to St. Louis, wanted to start my own little soccer training company and get involved with the game because at that point um, I was heavily into coaching. I was looking for letters of recommendation to become the Skysa Director of Coaching, mind you. Big job. Oh. St. Charles County. Big huge, job. Huge, huge job. Mueller Park. Baby. Yeah, huge job. <laughs> Volunteer coaches, and I'm seeking recommendations for everybody I can. And Gary Rensing wrote me um, a very nice letter, but one of the sentences are, and I hope I don't get this wrong, but like he, he said the problem with um, American soccer is that we overcoach our youth and undercoach our old. And what he was meaning by that is – one of you guys had alluded to earlier about joysticking. You know, like yeah. you, you see it all the time. Kids, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13. And they're, no, don't pass it here. You should have passed. Don't dribble. Oh, my God, you got to pass. All that stuff. And we do that. And then when they get to be 13 and 14, 15, like my daughter's age, there's very little instruction on the absolute little things that are going to make the difference in, in the game. And, and so I take that approach. I took that approach. This was 04, you know. But, yeah, so... Thank you, Gary. I think that I just want to make sure that the people hear that and understand how important that is. Because when I wasn't on the, the, I don't know if I was live when you guys were talking about the German-U.S. game, but I feel like that is fundamentally that quote because we don't let kids. Yeah. We're overcoaching these young kids and just letting them play. In f- too much structure. Way too much structure because, you know, people like Dave Cox, when you get a little bolder, if you hang on to the ball, <laughs> they're going to clean you out, even when you're on your team. And if not, your teammates will let you know, too. Well, to, to that point, <clears throat> going back to Zach, it was it was Zach's pinnacle point, uh, talking about the U.S.-Germany game. We, we theoretically put out our A team, right? Um, we, <clears throat> we lose three to one. There's a lot of armchair quarterbacks, et cetera. You, you didn't really see, I didn't see, like, an emotional response from the players from the loss. It was more, 
a, a public stance of soccer fans or pundits, etc. But to your point, what we're talking about, if Germany would have lost that game, I, I would bet $1,000 you would see physical, emotional yeah. anger Gundogan would have, uh, yeah. coming out of the yeah. German players. Yeah. I, and I think that's the difference. That, that, that's a big difference in that t- too tight on kids at a young age and not tight enough at an older age. And at a young age, they're just not learning how to com- compete as much as they should. Mm-hmm. Well, ironically, <coughs> the son of the guy that kept you off the bottom of the board your freshman year in the, the mile mm-hmm. started in that game. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Gio Reyna Gio. gets the start. Uh, and Claudio, his dad, was sure. the guy that kept you off the bottom. And, you know, I, 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 I just I don't want to beat a dead horse in this whole Burhalter thing. I don't. But I do want to get your thoughts um, on kind of the state of where U.S. men's national team is. I think I have an idea based on the things you've said <laughs> recently, but I, I really want to kind of get into that. And then I want to go back because I want to talk about your, your youth club that you, you referenced I, earlier. I, I would first, I want to preface this by like, I'm not the biggest supporter of like this being here at Maggie O's is the first time I've seen the stadium. Really? Like, seen it in person. <clears throat> I was over here for the U.S. thing and, and the practice, but I, I, that's the first time I've seen the stadium. I did not get a chance to see the U.S.-Germany game. Um, I have Fubo or Fubu, whatever TV. You don't get TNT with that bad boy. Uh. So I didn't get the game. I turned it on looking for it, but you don't get the game. Um, but as far as Burhalter, t- I'm really happy that he got another shot, you know, because um, I feel like it was a tough job when he took it. They made a lot of progress, a lot of traction, and they have, you know, like I know we get criticized for not having a quote-unquote number nine up top, and, and local, you know, Sergeant gets a lot of, bad pub when he's playing for the national team but the dude was 21 22 years old right and so these right. guys are still they're still young yeah pros. he's a he's a puppy they're young pros and even like the heart of our team and the, they're all young and let's see what happens over the next four years i do believe though that unless we get more people kind of following and buying into that approach that you know gary rensing had suggested like coach the 14s to 17s and tell them every little thing that they can do because that is the difference but when you're younger than that learn how to have fun, learn how to compete, you know, which in my world, competing is giving your best. And, and I'm guilty of that. And that's why as a coach, I was really passionate about making sure a young man or young woman, because I've coached both, you know, um, doesn't do what I did, you know, and just right coast. But to, to the point, I'm happy he's there. I don't know who else could come over and take over that job, given the circumstances of where it is and the way it went down. Because, you know, Claudio and Berhalter were besties yeah right forever and so like that is you soccer unfolding at the highest level and unfortunately for Gio he's I, I couldn't even imagine what it's like in that locker room even though he's back I'm glad to see him get him back early and so they can kind of hopefully you know whatever yeah, make it water on out. the bridge yeah, yeah. and let yeah, it go because the kid can play and that's he he can and I think when I said there's a pall or a fog it just there's there's always that doubt and I, I hope that we can get past it. And I think, JB, you kind of said it pretty well in, in that it's an international friendly. We still have two and a half years before this really, really matters. <coughs> uh, but expectations are really flipping high. And so I, I think that's a, <laughs> a big deal. And that's that's why I, I said it, that. I, I would argue that our expectations for our men's national team are like Dallas Cowboy fans. Because <laughs> every time they like have a good quarter they're going to win the Super Bowl. And 
the reality is three to one to Germany is not three to one to Portugal in my mind. Like Germany, Brazil, those are the elite yeah. of the yeah. elite. And and we are not they're not saying we can't beat them in, in the World Cup and, and win a single elimination game type well, stuff. But. Well, and I think there's a reverse psychology that's occurring when we play the Germanys of the world, the Frances of the world, et cetera. Their ego, their competitive drive, yeah. when they see it's the U.S., to lose to the U.S. at any point in time for them is an embarrassment. It's like whether uh, it's a, whether it's a friendly a or not. Yeah. It's like Dominic losing a Hal North. <clears throat> embarrassing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Hal North losing to Washington back then. It is. Well, we did, but we uh, beat actually, you, but that's Dominic story. beat us. You know, Shane Edgar. Yep. For, I know these oh, guys. Shane's one of my best friends, but yeah, he reminds me all the time, and I don't believe him. And then he he pulled it up. He's like, "No, we beat you guys two to one." That was my eighth. I think my eighth grade year. I remember it specifically. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like Joe Weezy and those yeah. guys, yeah. and who else was on that team? But, I don't yeah. know who was on that team. I know Shane because like he was good. Yeah, he was damn. Matt good. Healy. Matt Healy. Yeah. Friends with Matt. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I want to go back to something you started the episode with, which was some of the tragedy from your club team. Not that I want to bring this down. It's just more of a story that you don't hear very often. And I think... It's fucking terrible. It's it's a human story, though. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's yeah. not just a sad story. It's it's, it's one that, that I think... Norwich, his pinnacle point last week. Yeah. You know, so can you talk a little bit about that? Um, so Danny Radke, is that what we're talking Danny Radke. Um, Danny was... I, Danny was the guy that always had the energy level of, of, of a four-year-old who had the personality of somebody who would walk into the room as if he's been drinking all day, but he hasn't, he'd never touched a drink. And uh, him and his wife had just found out or thought they were pregnant again. So he was rehabbing a house down in St. Louis, and he went in early so he could get off early to go confirm whether or not she was pregnant. And I don't know what it was, some 17-year-old came in and didn't take his watch, didn't take his tools. I don't know if it was a, 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 a rite of passage or whatever, but he ended up getting murdered. And is that what the tragedy we were talking about? Are we talking about well, what happened? <clears throat> well, that's the one where they're like hanging cabinets or something. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Down Benton Park or. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that was, that was, that one is like, it, it hits home because it's like you never know when when it's your time yeah and well that one and then you had referenced your club team some of the kids from that neighborhood oh so danny lived next to pat shallow mm -hmm. like two houses there there was another this is so i have a picture of my very first ever select team um which was noah's ark it's now streets of saint charles yep. right there by yep. the boat no, there we used to be it. a big noah's ark so that's oh, where yeah. our first soccer team was our sponsor we would have success and go get our pictures taken on the elephant and stuff. Uh, yeah. And our Jim Anderson would post it in the newspaper. I mean, he was awesome. Yeah. He did his. He was great at PR. Um, so Danny was murdered. Pat Shallow was diagnosed with like um, leukemia. Testic. I think that he was had testic. Yeah, 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 you're right. David Whiffler had leukemia. Yep. So David Whiffler, Pat Shallow, Danny Radke, Kurt McClendon, and another young man named Ruben, Ruben Tungate who was on like a Mormon retreat. Um, missionary trip down to South America. So that's, what, five of them? And he, he was just 10 feet from the dock. The water, his muscles just, he, he froze because the water was so cold. All of those guys, I'm in the middle of them in this picture. It's, God damn. It's, it's, it's uncanny, but three of them lived in the same neighborhood. Like, Jeez. Like from here to the, 
city park. So, yeah, we we had a. I was telling these guys we had a wedding this this weekend, and it was my uh, my dad's family, and God. um, and the groom's grandparents were there, and they had they were just about to celebrate their seventieth wedding anniversary, mm. I think today or tomorrow. After the wedding, the next day, the grandma slipped and fell and didn't make it. Seventy years, but was this yesterday? Yesterday, golly! And it just kind of the reason I wanted you to tell that story is not to bring things down or for me to have an opportunity to to make it even more morose, but just how important it is to take advantage of the time we have. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And and do those things. Go after you while injured while getting getting kicked out basically of Virginia sure you still kept pursuing you still kept going after that thing and then when you came back to St. Louis you were still fighting for that and I think that to me is the lesson that I wanted you to to, to convey to, nice. to, to the audience is that even in times of shit uh, where things are going very poorly and you think there's no way there's always that relationship that you started mm-hmm. and how important those relationships are and those moments are. And that's where I, I really wanted to dive into that part with you, Mike, because I think your story resonates with a lot of different people. And it's not just the soccer accolades, you know, <laughs> hanging out with, with Reina and Arena and those guys. At White Castle. At White Castle. White Castle. Who it's, does that? I did. I did. It, and it, it goes to J, JB, you know, you talked about those that just walk among us, you know, with the Gary Rinzings and yeah. the so many guys that we've talked to that if people people have no idea what you've you've done. And now, not that our show is going to amplify it to millions of people. But I'm so glad that you're on. I'm so glad you're on. Yeah. Well, Well, did you notice that we didn't send you in advance? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, I can tell you this: there, there is a ton of people um, in in our area um, that have lived, breed the stories that we're telling at like high schools, rival high schools, club teams that are in your age group um, that were extremely fond of you and um, have the utmost compliments that could ever be said about you. Tim Kelly told me the other day that um, if there was a 16-year-old like Slavo today, he would be in Europe immediately. And so, like, comments like that, like, especially from him, mm-hmm. who is coaching at a high level and who's been in our professional ranks. He's, he's seen it daily. He, 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 he doesn't say that loosely. Yeah. And, and, and there are a lot of people, and, and some of those guys that have passed, uh, rest their souls, there are a lot of people that have fond memories of you, um, that are proud of what you did, um, that, that you're one of those guys that are walking the streets that live in this town that laid the pavement for what's across the street and and, and that's big time and, and um you know mike slavinsky out there in st charles county who sniffed viani and who cares about viani the halsey <laughs> um uh, kudos uh, to you three man. two <laughs> one congratulations oh, I just got a text from jeff yeah <laughs> yeah you know i mean and thanks for coming man hey i i cannot um this is beyond my expectations so thank you guys for being so accommodating and and making it easy on me so well you walked in and you're like i didn't listen because i didn't want to have expectations i was nervous i, I mean my girlfriend i was telling him i was hoping that i was like christian i hope they don't text me to come tomorrow because i was so, <laughs> so nervous i was like i have no desire i have no i don't deserve to be on this platform your story so needs to be told here. it does so, absolutely um 
Thank you, guys. No, dude, it's been a pleasure. And, and, and as we roll out here, um, it, it blows my mind that you ha- – so you haven't been to a game then, obviously, if this is the first time you've seen the stadium. I, we didn't get – like, I have a lot of shame around the sport, so I avoid stuff like this. Really? People, uh, yeah. Well, you, I mean, you're welcome here. Yeah. <laughs> you I, I should really, come really and do. you should stand on the 100 corner with us three yeah. turds. Yeah. <laughs> and we'll, we'll have a beer there because, I mean, the, the, the whole stadium, and we've said this time and time again, it's, it's here because of players like yourself, because of the whole community of soccer players over generations. So whether or not you, you have been or feel you should go or there's a reason why you won't go, you do need to know that. You know, the, those bricks of the foundation, one of those is yours. Fuck so yeah. Kudos to you, man. That's Agreed. So someday when you go, we'll buy your beer. You guys got the tissues? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well... Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna roll us out on uh, yet more Another proof Stapleton. that uh, Stapleton is the greatest country music singer of all time. He is. There it is, Jared, right there for you. Right. You you know I'm right. I, I, I'm gonna go with you right now. Where does Chris Gustafsson fall in your boat? Maybe not singer, but I'd rather drink Rushmore. with him <laughs> than Chris Stapleton. Chris Gustafsson. I, to- <laughs> I totally have pints with that guy. Yeah. So. Hey, thank you, Pinnacle Loans. Thank you, Axis PT. Appreciate all the support. Gentlemen, thanks for joining. And Maggie's, thanks for hosting. Uh, send it to a friend. Click like, share, all that other stuff. It's the easiest thing you can do. Um, besides coming down here and having pretzel bites with us. <laughs> we'll catch you next time. Mike, thank you for your time, man. Best of luck moving forward. All right.